Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. England versus India. The Cricket Badger Test Match Daily Podcast. Can Joe Root's England dominate on home soil? Five mouth-watering test matches. Can Virat Kohli's India conquer the final frontier? Loving to talk test cricket every day. Hello everybody, welcome along. It is another edition of the Cricket Badger, England against India Test Match Daily. I am James Butler, the Cricket Badger, and joined today by Rito Maitra, Nakul Pandey and Neil Varani. Let's start with you, Rito, because we've not seen you for a while. It's good to have you back on the podcast. Going to have you on all the way through this series and then the IPL as well, which is to follow. Um, but it's slightly dissatisfactory day today, wasn't it? We had um, only the chance for India to get to 125 for four when the rain came. And the forecast for the next few days isn't terrific, is it? So we're in a bit of limbo at the moment in terms of this test match. Yeah, hi, James. Always nice being on the Cricket Badger podcast. Yes, of course, it's the green English summer and the rain. But the cricket that we saw today was fantastic. With Jimmy Anderson picking up the great Virat Kohli with his first ball. That has to be the moment of the summer so far. Yeah, the rest, the focus for the rest of the three days are not great either. But still, we can. the weather is not in our hands. But England, in the overs that they had today, uh, yeah, we are, we are seeing over not a set of fives over here. Uh, you, you, you only just come back on this podcast, Rita. You're going to get banned very soon. Um, if you <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's strange though, Rita, isn't it? I mean, I, I obviously got Indian followers on Twitter and I, I put out a tweet earlier suggesting that, it, that the Indians might be disappointed with this test match because the rain was forecast. Obviously, it came today. It's forecast tomorrow. And obviously, we're not quite sure yet what what's going to happen towards the weekend. But it strikes me that some of the Indian supporters aren't quite aware. It actually rains in, in England. It rains quite a lot. But if weather is never in our control. And if in England, it's never, never, never. So I, I would say today, England had the better of the day today, much better than day than yesterday. But still, it could have been much better had Dominic Sibley hold on to that catch. Now, there's a problem for England. Dominic Sibley is not scoring runs and he's not taking the chances either. So at 115 for five, it could have been much worse for India, but not to be. Kill Rahul is still there. And if we have some play tomorrow, then we will go out to bat tomorrow as well. Neil, the conditions at Trent Bridge today, as they were on the first day, really, very much in favour of the seam bowlers, weren't they? The, as soon as those floodlights came on, and it was overcast. It was quite muggy. It was, um, I think one of the commentators on the on the coverage described it as being ideal conditions for seam bowling. 
Um, England will be a little bit frustrated, won't they, by the fact that they weren't able to get that many balls bowled in those circumstances? I think I think they'll be more annoyed that possibly they didn't take advantage of the conditions in the first session as they should have done. I thought that Robinson was very tight. Um, I thought Anderson was a bit off what he was going for. That it, Maybe he was a bit shorter. He seemed to have a lot that um, Rowett and KL were able to leave reasonably comfortably. If they bowled in the same way that they bowled after lunch um, in the morning, we could have been four or five down by lunch and probably you know, only 60, 70 on the board. Um, I mean, it's a fine line, isn't it, with swinging conditions because if it just tips over slightly too much, the rain does actually fall and you get taken off. But And you need it in that, that very small sweet spot where it's just threatening to, but but doesn't. Um, I thought after lunch, um, Robinson and Anderson were both um, both superb. But in the morning session, I think only Robinson really um, did himself justice there and got rewarded um, with a surprise bouncer that Rowett in his standard way, just muscle memory takes over and he um, he goes to hook it over fine leg. Didn't quite catch it well enough because it was a bit too high. What was in the Jinky Rahani's mind today, Neil? Because he seemed to be um, sponsored to get run out today, didn't he? He was trying his best and then he actually managed it. That wasn't clever cricket, that was it? No, there's something weird that's happened to him in the last few years. Um, someone on Sky brought up a stat saying that I don't think he'd been involved in runouts up until like two, three years ago. And then since then, he seems to be very, very eager to take tight singles um, or changes mind halfway through I, the Australia tour uh, in the first test when Virat was well set on 74, just completely sold him down the river. Uh, that's the one that I remember straight off. But he seemed very, very eager to take every single single that was on offer, even though it's day two. It's a five-day match. You know, if it's not there, against someone, um, the skill of Bairstow and his speed across the ground, it's not worth taking that risk. You know, it's one thing if you get run out by a rocket throw from out in the deep, but when it's that close in, there's no need to risk it, especially when we'd lost three for about 15 runs. Knuckle, Rito's already hinted at this little chapter in the uh, in today's play, what play was possible, but... That uh, two and two balls from Jimmy Anderson today. We've been in in Great Britain. We've been uh, looking at thirteen-year-olds uh, winning bronze medals and youngsters doing all kinds of wonders in the world of sport. But a thirty-nine-year-old ran in today and just showed what he could do in those that in that over. It was terrific stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, um, and we don't know yet how decisive that's going to be in this match. Uh, India are still in a decent position, one hundred and twenty-five for four, only fifty-eight behind. It completely changed the tenor of the game. India were looking pretty comfortable up until up until lunch, and then. You couldn't really art. You couldn't really design two better outswingers to from Pujara to Pujara and to and to Kohli. Probably couldn't design a better ball to bowl to Kohli in off his first off his first ball. It, it swung. It started angling in and then moved away. He had to play at it. Same with so did Pujara, who has this habit of attracting unplayable deliveries. I think partly because his technique is so good that he uh, it it can take very good deliveries to get him out. I remember there's two outrageous deliveries that Dale Staines bowled at him in South Africa, and there's a couple more from. Uh, from Anderson and, and various tours of England, uh, and it, it was him at his absolute best. Having not been so so hot in the in the morning session, he'd been trying to drag KL Rahul across the crease and 
then get the inswinger to come back, uh, having got him offline, which Rahul is a little susceptible to, but it didn't work. The swing wasn't quite there as much. Interesting, I was looking at the I was looking at the figures. Um, England actually bowled fuller than India did uh, in that in that first session uh, by a good foot. The ball just wasn't doing as much for whatever reason, and th- that can that can happen. But as soon as it did start to move, um, Anderson was was magnificent and really well supported by Robinson, who who exploited the conditions very very well. Was getting some uh, some good bounce and some and some seam movement back into the back into the right-handers and could be a real handful. Um, I can certainly see him being a handful on, on pitches with uneven bounce and, uh, or, or pitches that do uh, have significant upward movement because, because he's so accurate and he hits the seam hard. And uh, India were made to work really hard, even in that opening partnership. Um, I think that I think to putting too much, saying that England weren't bowling well or whatever, I think he's taking too much credit away from how well uh, and how clear a game plan Rohit Sharma and KL Rahul had. It's a shame the, uh, the the hat trick ball was down the leg side. It was unlike Jimmy. That wasn't it. You, you expected him to be threatening the stumps, and he just he, he just bunged it down the leg side, and it was uh, hat trick was over, and he a big smile on his face. You mentioned though Ollie Robinson there. There's a lot of chat today about how dangerous he might be in the Ashes, and we don't want to talk too much about the Ashes in this series because this series is good enough in its own right. But the future for Ollie Robinson looks pretty bright. He's obviously gone through the mill a little bit. Don't need to talk about the the historic tweets. We've already been through all of that on this podcast. But he seems to have come back with the right attitude. And he's a terrific bowler, isn't he? He knows exactly what he's trying to do. He's bowling exactly the same as he was in that New Zealand test, which is exactly how he's been bowling for the last, what, four years? Yeah. Or more since he moved to Sussex. He bowls with a very upright seam. He A little bit of wobble seam sometimes. S- tries to smash the ball into the splice of the bat or just over top of off stump. And he is extremely accurate and can do it time and time again and is doing it at, at, at enough pace. He's a very good and very clever seam bowler. Um, he, he he looks completely ready-made for, or ready-made is not quite right because I think it under, underplays how consistent, how much hard work he's put in over the years, but he looks completely ready. Cricket's a game played with balls. You've got to look after them in the field. Badges are furry creatures. My friends at manscaped.com help you make sure it's neat and tidy down there. Oh, get rid of all that excess fur. Make sure that you're neat and tidy. Make sure everything's in the right order. Oh, feeling all good now, Danimus set. Oh, manscaped.com. Maximum skin-safe performance. Compact design. Advanced engineering. Ceramic blade. Waterproof. And it doesn't end there. Show you care by caring for your pair. Cleansers. Revivers. Preservers. Simply go to manscaped.com. Quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com. Get on there now. Rito, another Sussex bowler has been in the news today. Poor old Joffre. It's not happening for Joffre at the moment, is it? That elbow seems to have flared up again. Looks like he's going to need surgery. Suggestion that he's going to be out for the remainder of this year, at least. He's going to miss the... Indian series are going to miss the um, 2020 World Cup. He's going to miss the Ashes. Not great news for poor old Joffre today, is it? Yeah, that's a hammer blow for England, James. They have been building up to that T20 World Cup and especially the Ashes with that fast bowling trio that they have put in with Joffre, Wood and Stone. Now, Stone is also unfit, as I know. As well. Now, Joffre is probably gone for the year now and he won't play any part in the Ashes. So that's going to have knock-on effects as well. And we are hearing that Wood might also just pull himself back from the T20 World Cup to save himself for that Ashes. That's a hammer blow for England. Neil, I mean, Joffre is obviously a massively talented bowler. People have different opinions on him as well. But 
that elbow just seems to it seemed to be very innocuous when that injury was first mentioned. And it's probably a couple of years ago now that elbow was first mentioned. Uh, and it just keeps cropping up and cropping up. It's uh, an elbow he could do without, isn't it? I'm wondering if there's um, something in his technique, whether he has that hyperextension that Jasper Bumra, for instance, has, which aids his pace, but makes it a bit more fragile. And since he came into the, um, the England team in 2019, He's played all formats, plus IPL, plus uh, I think he's played the Big Bash since, but I'm not certain. Um, but he's got such a heavy workload because, I mean, the IPL's uh, already six weeks a year. England, across all three formats, is pretty much nonstop. And then he was, I don't want to say abused, but he was badly misused in the Ashes and then especially on the tour of New Zealand where I think he bowled 40 overs um, in one innings for uh, for England. I, I always said that they can't get Mitchell Johnson results if you bowl them like Peter Siddle. Um, <laughs> they, they want him to bend his back every single over, but then he's such an athlete that he can actually put up with stuff in the short term, but he, he's been ground to dust, really. I do understand that it's a separate stress fracture from the one he had previously off the back of New Zealand and then in the South Africa tour. Um, I think they said that what he had during the India tour that made him pull out of the IPL was bone fragments after that. And th- this is a new injury. I think we're going to get to Mark Wood stages where you have to ration how much he plays. Um, from a personal point of view, I think he's one of the two best uh, pace bowlers in white ball cricket. So along, along, with, massive... along with Jasper, you, you've always yeah. put Bummer and Arch together, don't you? Yeah. I mean, th- those two, you can bowl them anywhere in the innings and they're almost unplayable um, at times. And along with Rashid Khan, those are the trifecta of um, absolute elite in, uh, in white ball. Yeah. I think like with Mark Wood, you're going to have to ration how much he plays. And I, I'm, I'm really going to miss seeing him in the T20 World Cup because certainly in the IPL, even when they went over to the UAE, no one could score off him, either at the start or at the end. And from England's point of view, if they do need to manage Mark Wood's play because they want to use him for the Ashes or for the T20 World Cup, it's going to severely reduce their pace attack for one of those two priority series. There's... um, as Silverwood clearly thinks that the two of them are. Knuckle, I always think there's a bit of a misconception with Joffre Archer. His detractors would suggest, well, he just lopes in, he kind of just goes through the motions half the time, he doesn't really try. But I, I watched a video of him relatively recently where he was bowling in the Sussex Nets and it got the, the sound was quite loud and you could hear him, the effort that he was putting in. Every time he bowled, it was like a really big grunt. You don't grunt like that if you're not trying. And I... I, you know, he's every fast bowler around the world puts their body through all kinds of stresses and strains. And Joffre's no exception, is he? Yeah, it's one of those actions that can look deceptively easy because he makes it look so easy because it's so grooved. Uh, same thing with Michael Holding. Michael Holding had injuries. Yeah, uh, he's talked about having having injuries and having uh, having to adapt. You know, between formats, you know, playing the John Payer League with a shortened run and then going back to his long run and, and losing rhythm. And you know, Michael Holding. If there's ever been a better action, a more rhythmic action in 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 the history of fast bowling, I've not seen it. Or Imran Khan, who had this incredible uh, action. But uh, I've 
I've been lucky enough to watch Archer a few times, you know, in the ground. And what I would say is, same with Boomer, watch him, watch his legs. He's striding into the crease. He's hitting the crease hard. He's got this braced front neck, uh, front knee. So that all of those, all those forces are going into his knee. And that, and that incredible wrist flicky that he has, uh, that has a slight uh, hyperextension, as Neil, as Neil says. There's a lot of strain going through a pretty lean frame that doesn't have a lot behind it. And I think that's a good thing. The lean frame is, is, a, is a good thing. But uh, this, he's had problems with that elbow. He was managing it during the World Cup. He was taking injections through that through that World Cup, and then it's a it's just a real shame that that his measures to try and sort it with having surgery and easing his way back into cricket haven't worked, and it looks like he'll be out for this for this well he'll be out for the rest of this year, which hopefully will ensure that he can have a long career in as many formats as he feels able to play. I still think that he can be a, a an all format an all format bowler. We've seen bowlers come back from he wants yeah, to be knuckle he, as well. He's, isn't it? he's ambitious and he wants to be a difference maker and he wants to be the best bowler he can be. Uh, it's such a shame for, yeah, for England, but just for fans of, of, of great fast bowling and, and, and kind of aesthetic beauty in, in cricket uh, to, to be a little poetic for a second, but he's, he's a fabulous bowler and um, cricket's a better place with him in it. Yeah. And hopefully this is a chance for them to get him right and get him properly right. So when he comes back, we don't see the stop start career that he's had uh, over the last couple of years. It does give um, an opportunity for someone who's had even worse injury problems if um, if Tamal Mills can get called up again to the T20 um, World Cup squad because that's a guy who we've seen him speak very eloquently on how he can basically only play T20. Cricket, on the Cricket Badger podcast, Neil, he spoke very eloquently on that. Yeah, and he's been injured so much that he can only take four overs at a time. So if he gets that opportunity, then you know, it's... Um, it's wonderful return for someone who's been excellent for a long, long time. He's more experienced now than he was when he played for England before and had his opportunities in the IPL, etc. before. So certainly wouldn't go and miss that call-up, I don't think, if Tim L got that call. My name is Jacob and I sent the Badger a message and now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast, then tweet at cricket underscore badger. Let's round off today with the test match in a little bit of limbo. The forecast for tomorrow isn't particularly good, but England's performance on day one being rolled over for 183, some quite disappointing uh, efforts with the bat, led a lot of commentators to start talking about the fact that they haven't had any red ball cricket in the run-up to this test series. And Rito, you look at England's preparation for this. India have been in the country for ages. They may not have played huge amounts of games, but they've been in Red Bull mode since the run-up to the World Test Championship final. And they've not really left that mode since. So they've kind of been preparing for the Test Series. England have been playing, or England players, have been playing T20 Blast, have been playing the 100. Um, the likes of uh, Bairstow and Butler haven't played uh, Red Bull cricket since the, the, the winter and, and the tours away. That's no preparation to take on... India, who are a very, very good side, aren't they? No, it's not the perfect preparation, obviously. But even, James, if you look at the Indian boys, they haven't played first-class cricket for ages as well. Say, years. The last time Virat Kohli played first-class cricket was in, way back in 2012. So yeah, no, he, pa- he played the, in the World Test Championship final and he plays plenty of test matches, isn't he? He's, he's been playing red ball. England haven't even seen a red ball for, for, for weeks on end. But that's the modern modern world. We have to somehow adjust to it. There's talk about bringing the championship back in August and we're not, not in way back in September, July, August. So 
now ECB have come up with this 100. It's doing great, obviously, but that's putting this test match cricket and the side into jeopardy with, with such batting collapses. But somehow they have to just come up. Experts have talked about it. They haven't found a solution. Who am I to find a solution about it? Rito, you're one of our favourite badges. Knuckle, the, the kind of preparation that England have got for what I could, I think, and and I'm sure we all agree, is a major test series. In in many ways, I think this series is more attractive than the Ashes in the winter. Um, England against India on English soil, I think, is a very close contest. It's almost disrespectful to the format and disrespectful for the opposition, isn't it, for England to not try and get red ball cricket into their players? I wouldn't go that far. Uh, I, I really wouldn't. I think that it, maybe without the 100, that have been, you know, we've seen periods where the blast has been played in the block this time. And it, we've seen lots and lots of different uh, format and schedule changes. I've also seen some research from, from Crickviz that was trying to plot the number of um, first class deliveries faced by batters ahead of a series against their performance. And there doesn't seem to be much of a correlation. It's not ideal. Clearly, it's not ideal. But uh, as Rita was saying, I'll give you an example. KL Rahul is probably a better example than uh, than maybe than someone than an oil format regular. KL Rahul, since he got dropped from the test team two years ago, has played two first class games eighteen months apart. It is possible. It is possible to uh, to adjust and to have something to fall back on. There is a point at which talking about the schedule becomes an excuse for poor performances or poor shots or takes narrative agency away from the bowlers. The Indian, the Indian bowlers were terrific yesterday. That is that that yeah, that is fine. But Nakali, if it's not the the fact they, they've not seen a red bull for so long, what's Josh Butler's excuse? Because we know he's a good player. We've seen him in white ball cricket. He does all sorts of wonders. We know that he can play the game. Sure. He, he spent 17 balls at the crease yesterday and looked like he was a competition winner. It was one of his worst test innings ever. Uh, but he doesn't play a lot of county championship cricket and this is the same guy who was excellent in 2020. Uh, and in the first test that he played against India. So nothing has changed in terms of his preparation uh, com- compared to when he was doing well or compared to when he was doing badly. So I don't, I think that people are, people were ready to blame the 100 for whatever happened negative to England in this test match. That was going to happen. It was start, people were writing about it two weeks ago. N- knuckle, I, I, I blame the 100 for the fact it's raining. I blame the 100 for everything. Yeah, people will blame the 100 for the fact that they burned their toast this morning. Uh, that is the 100's fault. Well, yeah, I, you know, people were saying, you know, if if England were 40 for five, that shows that, or whatever, that shows the 100. No, it doesn't. It's way too soon to evaluate the impact of, of the 100. People, are, teams are going to collapse. Teams collapse all the time. Uh, and batting in England's really hard. This England side does collapse all the time, doesn't it? Yeah, the, the number of the frequency of their... They're losing six wickets in the in the in the blink of an eye. Is quite a regular. Sure, but you look at other lots of other teams. England's become the hardest place in the world to bat in Test cricket over the last few years, and you can, and the averages the averages show it very clearly, particularly at the top of the order. The Duke ball doesn't stop moving. There isn't a period beyond which you can say, right, I'm in. Uh, I've got through that space, and you can see it in places like Sibley, who whose method is very good against the type of pitch, the bowling that he was brought up on, uh, that he came through in county championship cricket, on county championship pitches, where the ball will stop moving at some point and the bowlers aren't quite as, as skilled or as fast. And so you can wear them down more easily and therefore get your opportunities later. And he's done that to great effect. You know, he's not in this side on a fluke. Uh, I don't want to keep talking about Dom Sibley, but people do for some reason. He's not in this side on a fluke or because of, you know, some kind of, some kind of whim. He's in there because he scored a lot of county championship runs. It, it is very difficult and you you need to find a way to you need to find a way to adapt I think a lot of teams are going to go with this very uh, this very defensive approach as a result at the top of the order we see India do it today 
That means, though, that when you do have a cluster of wickets falling, you haven't gone anywhere. So it's just very difficult at every stage of the innings to, to score significant runs. And what it means is that we see a lot of really high quality seam bowling, uh, as we have done throughout this uh, this test match summer. It makes for when the rain's not happening, really interesting test cricket. I think Dom Sibley is often a full guy for people because he's not a glamour puss, is he? He's not a poster boy. He's not somebody that you're going to be racing to the shop to buy a Sibley shirt. So you're going to be buying a butler or a, you know, a, a root shirt, aren't you, rather than a Sibley and he, shirt. And he has a technique that I don't think is ugly, but it does attract attention because it's unusual looking. And that, those techniques always attract attention when they uh, when they don't go well. If the middle order were performing, no one would be talking about Dom Sibley scoring too slowly. Even if you look at India, they played that Walters Championship straight from, coming back straight from the IPL. So even BCCI is finding it hard to bal- find the right balance between Test match cricket and well, it's, it's, all, it's, it's all about the Wongarito, isn't it? It's all about getting the yeah. IPL play, getting that money, and getting the cash tills buzzing, and uh, and, and players can go hang, can't they? Because they they just they just fodder they just play as many games there is, as possible. There is, I mean, if you look at India, England, and India's schedules, even just the test schedules for the next year and a half, they're ridiculous. When we talked about with the, when we were talking before the series about Stokes, this is a ridiculous burden that has been placed on on players, particularly by the top boards, by those two boards. Partly because the economics of cricket are so skewed that everyone wants to play them, everyone almost needs to play them uh, to keep their finances afloat. It's also COVID. You know, the BCCI had to cancel the entire Ranji Trophy season. That didn't even happen during the Second World War, but COVID forced them to cancel the season because they couldn't stage it safely. Players who would have been playing quite a bit of red ball cricket, either because they weren't in the team or because they were, or because the series weren't happening, have had very little. You know, um, and you know, Kohli and Rahani didn't play the, the warm up game, so they've not played since the World Test Championship final uh, either. You know, Abhimanyu Ishwaran, who is who could have been in this side, hasn't played very much Test cricket, re- uh, first class cricket recently. Mayank Agarwal has only. Uh, hasn't played much outside of test cricket. So it, it's a problem for everyone at the moment. It will get better when COVID means that domestic schedules can be more normal. I, I think it, it becomes a point where people have start. It's important to look at structures. It is important to look at how you prepare it. And all of these things are factors in why India have been so good recently. But there, there comes a point when you start talking about it too much and take agency away from the individual. Neil, how do we get this world a happier place? where players can play the game and get days off and the money isn't so important and players aren't crawling to the ground um, out of their beds in the morning, tired and mentally frazzled. We're, we're in a bit of a dangerous position at the moment, aren't we? With the bubbles, we definitely are. Um, I think uh, a first point of action might be to reduce the game to, say, three formats. I think that that might help. And on, on that point, I don't have a, a I don't think the hundred itself is to to blame, but uh, test players being involved up until like four days before a test match in the hundred, so they weren't even netting against a red ball for very long is an issue, and I think that's where you see problems like Joss Butler's, but yeah, but, less but, cricket. But the, the conflict comes, Neil, doesn't it? When you've got the same players, these multi-format players who we all admire because they are good enough to play multi-format. And um, let's forget, let's not forget how talented they are and able to do that. But one day they are being tasked with hitting twenty-three off twelve balls to win a game, and the next day they were asking them to bat for three hours or four hours or five hours. If you think about it, how many players are actually world-class across all three formats? And as far as batters go. Coley, potentially Decock. That that's about it. Um, and Williamson can play all. Warner can play oh, all. No. Root can play St- all. Can't they? 
uh, they can play to a high level, but I mean, I uh, class world class sort of above that, and I think Root isn't world class in T20 because he just doesn't play the format. Stokes isn't world class in T20 as far as performances go, although we have seen him place that level when he played for Rising Poon Soup Giants um, and then the odd um, innings for Rajasthan Royals. Rito, who else is world-class and across all formats? We've had a little list there. Do you get any advance from me? No, I'm struggling to find out a real world-class batter other than the ones you mentioned there. Up until a few years ago, A.B. de Villiers. Yeah. Uh, oh and, yeah, and when he was playing Test cricket re- till uh, when he was t- playing Test cricket regularly, Chris Gale. I mean, AB a. De Villiers is world class at everything, isn't he? He's world class at golf and, and hockey and rugby and everything he does. I mean, I mean Knuckle, that 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 kind of leads us down a, a path where are we going to see a day fairly shortly where? Well, I mean, we talk about multi-format players, but obviously there is a difficulty to do that in this day and age where you're almost playing 365 days a year, and we're going to get tours at the same time. We've just seen India playing two tours at the same time. England have had two separate teams are we going to see a very much a kind of almost like a two different sports white ball and red ball being almost two different sports at some stage i mean well there will be a lot of specialization and you see it with spin bowling you know the 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 challenge for a t20 spinner is completely 180 almost to the challenge of being a test spinner and it is going to be very difficult for players i don't think impossible the very best players will always they'll always want to be the uh to be at the top level in all formats and they'll they'll find a way maybe what you know they might end up not playing as much cricket. They might not end up playing every single league or they might miss a few bilateral series to keep themselves a bit uh, a bit more fresh and that will require greater squad depth for, to absorb for that. For a lot of players who aren't at that absolute elite level or who aren't insanely competitively driven uh, like, like some of these uh, players or whose skills simply align in a certain direction or their bodies, then yes, then you then 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 you specialize. But we've always had specialists. We've always had um, players but to, who but, but to, to, to almost to a degree where they are concentrating purely on that sport rather than the on that format rather than the other one. I mean, that'll happen at some point. Um, it'll happen partly by demand because you'll get selected more in certain formats that you're better at. I don't think it's an issue. I don't think it's a great thing to be wildly worked up about. It will, it, it makes sense from a, from a point of view of teams and players winning more cricket or being in a better position to win more cricket. But the best players are always going to want to, to step up across formats and be, and be match winners and be, be known in all, in all formats. And that can boost your market value from a, from a very cynical point of view. Yeah. Um, at the very least performing at the top international level can boost your your market value for uh, for the T20 leagues. I mean, a lot of these choices, though, aren't really free choices because the economics of cricket, unless you're an Indian or England contracted player or Australian contracted player, are so skewed that you end up having to play a lot of cricket around the world. And then you, it's very difficult to be very good at uh, lots of things simultaneously. But I don't, I don't think that format specialization will become, I don't think we'll see a complete divorce between between the between the three formats, and I don't think that the format specialization is a problem. I think it's an interesting development and something to be watched and and analysed closely. I don't think it's a uh, a sign of the end times. Neil, I I see your Virat Kohli, and I raise you Baba Azam. Over the last few years, then yeah, Baba's um, definitely stepped up. So uh, yeah, I'll I'll accept that uh, as well, um, which also obviously brings his. Um, English twin into uh, uh, into the group if uh, if he ever gets picked for the test side again. 
Because we we have never we have never seen James Vince and Barbara Zam in the same room, have we? No, but can you imagine if they were both batting together in the uh, at the same time? It'd be you'd put a, every a thing of beauty. You'd put every fielder between gully and cover point. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, I, uh, Rohit Sharma has actually not had a great IPL for a while, but Rohit Sharma is in terms of international performances. I think you can you can make a decent case. You can hear Barber's T20 strike rates aren't as good as they could be. Uh, it can be a little bit over-ambitious. Oh, no, um, and Rohit needs to be tested. Yeah, Rohit's had such a weird test career, it's very hard to judge. Just one point that uh, that Knuckle had made about boards being more selective, about um, about when people are, are picked or how many leagues they play. Um, the BCCI has always been very protectionist about Indian players in terms of T20 leagues, so they only play the IPL. But there have been quite a few occasions when certainly um, Virat, I know, has missed series. And I think Rohit has a few times as well, just because of the sheer volume. Um, uh, I accept that boards outside of Australia, India and England um, don't have the same hold over their players because they don't pay them that central contract that supersedes any uh, franchise income. At the moment, they don't play as much cricket as the big three in any case. So from a burnout point of view, that hasn't become an issue. But Joe Root, the reason he hasn't played T20 really more than, what, 30 games in five years is because he plays so much test cricket, so much ODI cricket, that he doesn't get the chance to. So if he was rested, even as captain, I mean, we've seen Virat rested as as captain of India from uh, series uh, before, then it would allow him to specialise um, a bit more in T20 and work on his game there. I had a long chat with somebody the other day. I am very co- confident in a, if I was to bet you that Root will be part of that England 20-man squad to go to the World T20 Cup. I, I'm sure, I, bet, I bet he will be. I wouldn't be surprised, but I have my own views on Owen Morgan's group and or clique uh, as it is, where the same people seem to get in every time and it's hard to break into that um i think on performance it's hard to argue for it just because he plays so little but when he did play he was a, a wonderful t20 player it's just that since the last world cup he's played this less games than kevin peterson who's been retired for four years <laughs> yeah that, that, let's not go down the kevin peterson route he's been talking about all sorts <laughs> of stuff um all right let's uh, call it a day for today gentlemen we'll be uh, re- we'll reconvene with another panel tomorrow after what we hope is not a day full of rain hopefully we have cricket to talk about but the weather forecast is not great but we'll be back anyway every single day during this first test match, as we will do every single day through the rest of the uh, five test match series. Rito, it's been really good to see you again. I'm glad you're back in part of the group and we will talk to you again as this test match continues. Knuckle and Neil, thank you very much for, as, as always for being part of the podcast. And uh, thank you out there for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Join us after every day of this England versus India test series. We will see you again tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network.